When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Syrup Arcade Cast, Mobile Syrup and Syrup Arcade's Gaming Podcast, and I'm your co-host, Dean Daly, and I'm here with the pod's other host, Brad Jankar. Brad, how are you today? I'm great. Excited to talk about games. Yeah, I'm very excited to hear from you. Brad was in uh, California, LA, uh, for some Game Fest for the last week, so this podcast will be all about him, basically, uh, and I'm excited to talk about games uh, we also have a co-host today, uh, the one and the only, but not actually, uh, Chris Brown, because there is other Chris Browns. But uh, yeah, Chris Brown, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm the man with a million questions today. I have so many questions about all the games and everything that you saw, Brad. So yes, equally as excited. Let's do it. Let's do it. So Brad, kick us off. Uh, what was... Your, let's start off with just your, I don't know, most interesting, intriguing interview you had or thing, something you saw from last week. You can do anything from Summer Game Fest uh, or the Microsoft event or the Ubisoft event. I don't know if you did Capcom either. Did you? Yeah, no. But whatever you saw or whoever you spoke to, most intriguing, interesting thing, go. Uh, yeah, just for quick context for everybody, yeah, Dean kind of alluded to it there. It was Summer Game Fest is kind of like a new thing that Jeff Keighley from Markham, Ontario put together. He's the creator of the Game Awards. He did that during COVID when E3 went away. And then now that COVID's kind of subsided uh, and things have opened up again, E3 is still gone. Uh, it got canceled this year, so he put he put on uh, Summer Game Fest again. Uh, so yeah, it was just a week-long um, events. There were basically three days of summer game fest stuff, one public showcase, and then two days of behind closed doors, media stuff that I was at. Then there was Xbox stuff, uh, Ubisoft stuff, and then a bunch of smaller showcases in between, uh, which is a little hard to keep up with. Uh, there's some that I didn't even like, I didn't even watch the Capcom event. I had to catch up with it after because that was on the Monday, same day as Ubisoft, but yeah, lots of stuff. Uh, and I was at, I was at summer game fest, Xbox and Ubisoft's events. So I have, uh, stuff to talk about from all of them, but yeah, I guess um, for Summer Game Fest specifically, like the Jeff Keighley show, um, you know, there were some things that were shown during the showcase that weren't playable. And then there were other things that were shown that were playable. And then there were things that were shown that I didn't get appointments into um, because I was too late. Like uh, Alan Wake 2 was arguably people's most uh, acclaimed game that they actually got to play. And I was so jealous because I missed out. They were already booked up by the time that I reached out to them to try to get an appointment. So, but from what everyone I've, I've talked to at the show who played it, that was their standout game. Uh, but overall, whether I played it or not, I mean, my standout, and this is no surprise to anyone, was Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, there was like a countdown leading up to Summer Game Fest that people weren't sure if that was teasing something at the show. Uh, and then Jeff kind of, gave us a, a, a grade a troll during the show where he's like 
oh, here's a big Final Fantasy announcement. And then it's a DoorDash partnership. <laughs> and I'm like, every, yeah. everyone in the theater was like, come on, man. Um, but then at the end, they showed, I was not expecting A, to even see it there, and B, to get like the four minute trailer that we did um, with yeah. so much gameplay in it. I think it, because there have been a lot of questions about how this game's going to work, because the first game was very clearly, oh, it's the first five hours of the original Final Fantasy VII. It's very linear. I mean, there's open areas, but it's primarily linear. But this is where the game, the story really branches out and goes into an open world structure. So we were very kind of curious how that was going to work. And they showed it glimpses at that. It looks gorgeous. Like there's a photo of like the original PS1 Final Fantasy VII game where Cloud's standing in the overworld. But it's just completely barren because it's a PS1 game. And then it compares to what we saw in Rebirth, you know, 25 years later. And it it's incredible. It looks gorgeous. The new combat additions, the new party members, the new story beats that they're teasing. Everything about it looks incredible. I was glad that they definitively said as well that it's coming early 2024 because they were very annoyingly, oh, it's winter. But I'm like, winter could be 2023, it could be 2024. There are a lot of delusional people who thought it was coming this year. I'm like, there's no way in hell it's coming this year. So I'm glad they definitively said it's coming 2024 on two discs, which is, that's how big and pretty this game's going to be. It's going to be the first PS5 game on two discs, which is nuts. Yeah, that is pretty nice. The original was three disc, I, I heard, right? But, yeah, on PS1. Um, that was PS1. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not sh- like it's shocking to see a PS5 game on two disc. Um, and you were totally surprised by it, uh, which is like I was the I don't loudest I... one in that theater. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think I you like like you you have a pretty good handle of like what to, you'll expect. And you're like, oh, maybe you'll see some Elden Ring DLC. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, that was it. And you can just, I could just tell, I could probably hear you from all the way in Canada how excited you were. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't expecting it because they have Final Fantasy 16 coming in a couple of weeks. They had a, a big launch event for that game, actually a week today by the time we're recording this. Um, and they had a big launch event, which I was at, which we could talk about later as well. But so I just figured there was no need to really talk about seven because they have a big new Final Fantasy game literally a week away. But the fact that we're getting two big Final Fantasy games within a year and they both look amazing. I, I can't. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to avoid rebirth because I don't think I, uh, I tried seven and it didn't really, uh, just wasn't for me. Uh, or maybe it is. I don't know, I have to keep trying. But 16, I started the demo. <laughs> That's been a little fun. I'm like, yeah, I like this. Uh, Chris, what did you have anything exciting you saw at the event that you blew your mind? Specifically at Summer Games Fest we're talking? Yeah, let's just go in order. night? Okay, so I, I tried to watch as many of the conferences as I could. That's what I have to clarify because, you know, there was a whole bunch. You know, the major lot. ones being... Microsoft, Xbox, uh, that one, Ubisoft. There was a whole bunch of smaller ones as well. Future like, Games Show, Capcom, Wholesome. Direct. Yeah, there, there were yeah. so, so many. So at Summer Game Fest specifically, there were three things. Obviously, I'm right there with you with Rebirth. That is the biggest announcement and the one I'm most excited for because we're both huge Final Fantasy fans. But also, uh, just seeing Like a Dragon Gaiden uh, the man who erased his name, that looks awesome. And it's really, really nice that they're kind of taking that series in two directions because I've been a longtime fan of that series. And with Seven specifically, so Like a Dragon being uh, the Yakuza series from before, 
with seven, they went in a different direction. So now it was turn-based. And they've kind of split that up into two games. So eight is actually the other one that was shown off at Microsoft's conference. And this is a spinoff featuring uh, Kiryu, who was the former protagonist. And this is still going to be real-time combat and that sort of stuff. So it looks awesome. I cannot wait to play that one. And then the other one would just be Alan Wake 2. I, I think that looks great. Yeah, I, I can't stress enough like how much people that I know like personally and then what I've seen mm. online that who played it said how great it, it looked uh, it, when they played it. I think it was a they got 45 minutes of hands off gameplay. I don't think they actually got wow. to play it, but it was like a it was like a guided demo from someone at Remedy. I know Sam Lake was there as well and some people did interviews. It, it looks incredible. And it's Remedy's first foray into true survival horror, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. They've always towed that line, right? Yeah, like Alan Wake is kind of like a thriller, like a psychological thriller and, and controls, same kind of thing, like kind of spooky elements here and there. But yeah, this is the first like true survival horror and it looks gorgeous. And it's really interesting because it's Alan, it's two protagonists, Alan Wake and then there's like, the FBI agent character um, and they've only shown the FBI agent in that demo. So we don't even know how Alan Wake's side of the story is going to play out. And obviously there's the whole, it's part of a control um, remedy cinematic universe, so to speak. So the, how control is going to factor into it, quantum break, all that stuff. I think that's super cool. Like good on remedy. They're such a, they're such a quality, like consistent studio. And I love that everything's like going really smoothly with them. Yeah, I'm really excited for that game as well. It looks really cool. I uh, didn't play the original Alan Wake, uh, but I did play Control and Quantum Break, um, and I really liked those, both those games. So uh, it, it looked and it looked really great. It looked just really nice. Um, so I'm excited to play that. Um, not a game they announced, but uh, they finally gave a release date for Lies of P. Uh, it was delayed a bit. Um, but they, at least they came out with a demo, which I'm almost done. Um, I, I Last night, I was just like, you know what? I have some work to do, but while I get frustrated with some work, I'm also going to play Liza P, and I just kept going back and forth until 1.30 a.m. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, it was uh, some great fun. So I was uh, really happy that they finally had a restate and they announced a demo. Um, and also... I know it's just Dragon Ball Z, but I don't know what this Sandland thing is, but it looks kind of interesting just because of my wee parts in me that just loves anime and stuff like that. So yeah, I am uh, also thrilled to see what exactly Sandland is and, um, you know, to try it out or to see what it is. Yeah. It looked really cool. You know, we don't get many Toriyama projects these days. You know, he's he's worked on so many things, but this was like a one-shot project of his that always has kind of sat there untouched by by anyone. And so I thought the gameplay looked great. Like, even if you didn't have an attachment to the manga, which I, I don't know anything about it, unfortunately, beyond the artist, I, I think it looked really I didn't cool. even know it was a manga. Like I, I thought it was just their own thing they made up. No, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the, the minute I saw it, I actually, my first impression was that I thought it was going to be like a Dragon Quest spinoff because mm, obviously yeah. he does all of the art for those and it, it kind of had that same outline style to it. Uh, all his characters look the same. Right, well, I'm there sorry. is that. <laughs> they all Chrono Trigger same. box art back in the day. I'm like, oh, Dragon Ball. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah there's definitely like a, a, a very strong style there but i thought yeah I'm, I'm the same i thought it looked really really cool yeah and i'll just add um you know like i said with summer game fest there were a lot of games that we got to play 
uh, in the following two days, um, basically Jeff Keeley and I am eight bit, like put together this two days of play days. So they like book an entire like venue and, and you, uh, it's only for media and influencers and you can go there and play a bunch of the games. All the developers are there. So it's like a really cool, like who's who of the industry. Like I was walking, I was just coming out of the Bandai booth cause they had Tekken eight there and Naoki Yoshida from Square Enix, the producer, the director of Final Fantasy 14 and the producer on 16 was just hanging out there. So I'm like, I'm going to go get a picture and tell him how amazing 14 is because I literally just beat Endwalker finally last week. And so that was wild. Just seeing all the people that you run into kind of funnies walking around, like all these people that, you know, Victor Lucas talked with him for a while, you know, another Canadian. Um, so yeah, that was super cool. But I got to, pl- I think in terms of what I got to play, honestly, my favorite thing probably was thirsty suitors. Uh, it's an Annapurna game. Um, from, outer loop i believe is the developer i i'm blanking on broken was it no broken age was the psycho um double fine game i'm from i'm blanking on what they made but falcon age something like that i forget what their previous game was but this game is really cool because it's basically like uh south asian scott pilgrim basically okay. where it's like um your character is like a teenager who's like had a bunch of exes that she has to kind of like reconcile with all while dealing with her like overbearing uh brown parents and it's like <laughs> it's very f- so like for example one of the moves that she can use and like because it's like a turn-based combat when you're dealing with the exes like the sort of bickering between them is is represented through like turn-based combat and like one of the moves you can use is calling your mom to come in and like slap him with her slipper <laughs> it's just like so it's like a very like quirky sort of a uh, sense of humor and even like the the in-game hint system is called hinty your uncle hinty he just comes up and like pops up and tells you so it's like it's very it quirky and irre- thirsty what? suitors thirsty um, suitors that's funny and yeah so it's it's kind of like part dating sim part like turn-based rpg part there's like a skateboarding mini game in it too so all that's really fun and just you know it, it kind of hit close to home uh in a lot of ways because i'm half brown so all of the, those like jokes i'm like yeah those, those are like family members that i know so that game really uh clicked with me and, and just another game that i played another indie game was uh little kitty big city which i thought was pretty cool because it's from Matt Wood, who's actually a former Valve developer, so he worked on like Half-Life 2, Counter-Strike, all these big games, and then he just made his own studio. And this is like a like a cat simulator, basically, but unlike Stray, it's a lot a lot more gameplay focused, I think, because Stray kind of streamlined the gameplay and was more of like a cinematic narrative sort of thing. This is kind of the opposite, where it's very cute and whimsical. It's like a cat that was like sleeping on the on the ledge at home and then fell off and has to get back home uh but it's like all the like quirky adventures he gets up to like there's this like crow that's like a savvy business tycoon that's like giving you quests and you can like uh when you're walking along railings you can just like swat all the vases and break them just because you're a cat and you're an asshole uh so it's just kind of uh embracing how like how fun it is and it's, it's just very cute and charming and uh it's coming next year to uh i think pc and game and xbox on game pass as well so um that was really cool that that was literally my first game of the show uh so it was a nice way to ease me in and then immediately after that i went to play mortal kombat which was the most jarring (laughs) double feature ever uh because that game is even more violent than you would have expected like it's actually a little much i think but uh yeah those two games those two indie games are probably my favorite that i played very nice 
uh, before we move on to uh, Xbox, Microsoft, um, we forgot to mention Spider-Man finally got a release date. Which was yeah, that was weird. Very cool. Yeah, very like they didn't show us a trailer. Yeah, it was cool, but it was weird that they just Brian Intihar, the creative director, just comes on stage just to show some like concept art and then yeah. reveal the release date and then confirm what we all suspected that it's not Eddie Brock in the Venom suit, but then he didn't say anything else. So it's like it's obviously Harry. I mean, that's what the last totally. game was setting up. Well, I don't even, know why they wouldn't just reveal it. It's just weird. Um, well, well, even so. Keely, Jeff was like. Is it Harry Osborne. or is it yeah? Is it Osborne or is it Eddie Brock? And he's like, it's not Eddie Brock. And it's like, okay then. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Osborne. Thanks. It just feels <laughs> weird that this was at Summer Game Fest and not the PlayStation Showcase like a few weeks ago. Um, uh, they showed us like t- ten minutes of gameplay though, right? So I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, really, the only update here was the release date. I mean, the totally, cover yeah. was cool, but I think yeah. this kind of speaks to an issue with it, though, right? So, kind of what is interesting about Summer Games Fest, you know, uh, sorry, Summer Game Fest. There's no plural, (laughs) of course. But what I really like about Summer Game Fest is it has brought back many developers and publishers into the fold. When E3 disappeared, this is kind of the new format. But the opening night is a bit of a weird piece of media because E3 was never one cohesive package. It was a weekend and week-long show where everybody would hold their individual conferences you would have the publishers hold their conferences and they would show off what they had and then you would be able to as press go and play all of those games on the show floor but now because it's keely and he does have that sway and he likes to put on these shows and he does a great job but it's a bit of a weird thing because he's having to take announcements away from other publishers, essentially. So in this case, with them announcing the Spider-Man release date, that was very clearly held from the Sony conference, or sorry, mm. Sony showcase, just for this. And I feel like that was the case for several of these announcements. Like, it, it would have been really good to get the Outlaws gameplay up front, but instead you have to hold that off for their own showcase and you know that used to happen in the past too you would get that at the microsoft conference a lot of we're gonna show i can't remember what it was like an assassin's creed cg trailer here then come and actually watch to the ubisoft conference this is just happening more with it and that's not to say i i I enjoyed opening night actually that's where i had a lot of games that i was interested in things like rebirth that's the perfect place to announce it it's why the end of the year showcase that he does is so impactful with the game awards because it's been six months since we got anything else and there's no other place to do those big announcements, but it's a bit of an odd spot for a lot of other people when there are so many other dedicated showcases. So yeah, just something that I I think is interesting and maybe needs to be rethought in coming years. Well, yeah, to your point, the the whole point of like summer game fest was kind of to like replace E3 in a sense, but then it is, kind of just become the new e3 uh in terms of like like we were saying there's so many showcases like the the thing about e3 was everyone kind of had to do it at the same time because that's when everyone came together that's when you know the esa um would book the los angeles convention center so everyone would go at the same time but nowadays you don't need to do everything at the same time like i don't get that like you can just do your own showcase whenever like i feel like it's such a, a miscalculation for these smaller shows especially to do these things because you buried this news like there are so many cool indie games that i'm sure i missed during this the last few days because you buried it in between xbox and ubisoft and 
you know, the summer game fest. And, you know, it's great when those things are part of those big shows because that gives them a bigger audience. But I just feel like a lot of those things kind of slip through the cracks. On the other hand, though, I will say it's an even tougher position to be all out on their own. Like, I think having this one cohesive week does give them a bigger platform, even if they're competing with these other games. Well, I just think in that case, Mm. they should just show their stuff in those, those showcases then. Uh, I, I see what you're saying. I just I don't think doing your own standalone showcase in between 20 other showcases this week, because I was looking at like the Summer Game Fest schedule on his website where it literally listed like 20 different events. I'm like, yeah, I just I just feel like maybe one or two of those major announcements you could have maybe put in a different showcase to make it pop more or so, and then do something or even like Annapurna. They're doing their showcase later this month. I'm like, that's cool. And obviously Annapurna's got a bigger name than some of other like indie publishers. They're they're like the boutique indie publishers. So maybe they're not the best example. But in a similar vein, it's or even PlayStation, you know, they did something a couple of weeks before. So it's still that like summer window. I just don't know if literally the same day or the same week is necessarily fruitful for everybody. But yeah, it's it's interesting because I do think there's something to having it all at one time. Uh, we saw back in I think it was either 2020 or 2021, everybody kind of like spread out their stuff because there wasn't E3 and everybody was having to do things remotely. And they saw some of these showcases saw their worst numbers ever. Like their their games just didn't get the buzz that they needed. I remember people talking about like the WB showcase, and they never did it again because. The, the format just didn't work and it was in august and there was a whole bunch of stuff that didn't really add up and definitely things get overlooked i think probably you know uh some of the smaller ones like you said there's like 20 may not get the attention they deserve but having them in the same week does allow for everybody to showcase things and get buzzed about them like my partner for example she was really really excited about the wholesome uh games direct and she wouldn't have known about that if it wasn't part of the Summer Game Fest lineup, for example. So maybe it should be like two weeks long. Like mm. still, so it's a little bit more spread out, but still kind of together in a sense. Like I, uh, I got, I'm excited for like a game called Lizard with a Gun. Oh yeah, from, from Devolver, Devolver, right? Yeah. Um, but I didn't even I know think- that existed. Yeah, and I completely missed that showcase uh, because it was right. It came right after summer, like summer game fest stuff, and I was busy doing other things. It was like, okay, I have to write about it now, uh, or I had to not write about it, be developing it. But I had to do like I don't know. I just got busy with other things, and I missed the d- digital developer showcase. And uh, I was like, maybe if this was a different day, I would have caught it, or I would have had more time. I would have caught it, but I you miss things because you're like, hey. You 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 aim for the big ones, but you don't really aim for the smaller ones during these two during that week. So maybe if it was a full two weeks long, you you won't get some really low numbers because it's still within Summer Game Fest. Um, but yeah, I I feel like you it is like you are missing a lot right now. It's an evolving process. I I. I think we sit on opposite sides on this one because as someone who is not, you know, in- involved with it, having to write about it, cover it, I wasn't there. I was the person who was like, okay, that's the schedule. And then I just watched everything as it came and mm-hmm. it allowed me to kind of dedicate the time to it. I was like, this is my, this is my week of the year where I get all my video games and I just watched everything, consumed everything, talked about everything with my friends. So for, for someone like me, who's not involved, I, I think it is easier to keep track of than sparse updates throughout the year but definitely find it finding a format i mean this is always the problem with e3 as well everything always got 
overshadowed then too. E3 was like only like three days, right? It was three days sure. of I I conferences, would... yeah, and then there yeah. was an extra week after to go and showcase all the games like on the floor. Well, and even then, they used to they used to go on the same day, and the companies realized that's stupid. Why are we fighting for space on the yeah. same day? So they'd spread them out, and so like they would Xbox would do its event on like the Sunday before the the show technically even started. EA would be like, okay, we're doing our own thing on the Saturday, um, and then PlayStation would be like the Monday sort of thing. For sure. Um, and Bethesda 11 p.m. on the Sunday. I agree with you in the sense in the sense that, you know, Summer Game Fest, when and Jeff even admitted it, when he first started it, was to spread out. It was like four months, yeah. and people were just burned out. Uh, that was like the first year of COVID. where, mm-hmm. And obviously, that was an evolving process, so I don't necessarily fault him for that, but that's why he kind of made it a tighter thing. So obviously, yeah, something like four months is way too much, but I, I do think there should be a happy medium between... For sure. You know? um that's all and i think also yeah to your point you know we're coming at it sort of from the perspective of editorial side where there are a lot of things like i try to obviously emphasize canadian games and i was doing a canadian roundup that will be on the site by the time this podcast goes live and i even had to basically say in it i might have missed a canadian game straight up because there have been so many showcases i like normally if it was just one showcase i could definitively say okay here's every canadian game that was shown in here but i just had to straight up say i'm like i literally probably missed a few because there have been so many showcases and it's impossible to keep up with all of it. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think it would be nice to have some kind of middle ground, especially because sure. Gamescom is in two months and Jeff does a bunch of Gamescom stuff too. So, I mean, you know, and then, and then who knows what happens from there. So, uh, let's move on Microsoft and Bethesda. Uh, I watched it all. I, uh, it was on a, it was on the Sunday this year. Like Sunday at like, 1 p.m. Yeah, yeah. It's, I feel like it's always on a Sunday. Sunday, And they always and then they did a half an hour or an hour long Starfield Direct afterwards. I gotta be it honest. It was 127 you. hours long, to be precise. It never stopped. It just kept going. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't watch the Starfield one. I, I had to leave. Uh, but I did see a bit of the Starfield gameplay from the... Because uh, I will just say, Microsoft you know, being in the, in the theater, you know... The, fir- the main show was like an hour long. I think that show was excellent. That was one of their best in years. It was super paced. The The pacing was really good. It was a lot of gameplay, not as much as cinematic, though there was still some of that. And then it just started dragging with Starfield. I feel like the Starfield section did not need to be that long. Um, personally. I feel like Sony used to do really good showcases. And then the last showcase they did was kind of really not good. But this year, Microsoft took their spot. It was a great showcase. I, I know saw the Xbox a lot one of was gameplay. Very good. There was a lot of there was a lot of games. They kicked it off with Fable, which you know it got to my heart. Ah, man, I was really excited. But Brad, I want you to talk about your experience being there and what you saw. What was your favorite thing? Well, being there was weird because. You know, it wasn't a live showcase in the sense that it was pre-recorded. So we, we they have us in this giant theater, and then you know Xbox leadership comes out beforehand in person, like Phil Spencer, just because this was Fan Fest was going on at the same time, so fans could come and see it as well as well as media. So they came out to kind of greet the fans and greet the media. But then they left, and then it was just playing on a screen afterwards. So it it kind of lacked that live energy. Like even Ubisoft's mm. was live, where they had the Just Dance people come out as usual. That. I, I have so, so many questions weird. about that. Yeah, it was just kind of weird to have like have an in person showcase where it wasn't technically live. That's what so the that was a little weird every year. 
Yeah, that, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's yeah. very weird because <laughs> the game events traditionally are like Summer totally. Game Fest was Jeff Keighley coming out on stage and talking. So, uh, and you know, because of that, you get some amazing moments like the Bill Clinton kid at the Game Awards. Um, oh yeah, but <laughs> uh, and, and Jeff Keighley even tweeted after Summer Game Fest, yeah, nobody was that. arrested this year. <laughs> it's just, um, but yeah, no, I thought the Xbox show was great. Um, like you said, opening with Fable. Uh, I mean, my my one issue with the Xbox show is a lot of it still didn't have dates. Uh, a lot of it was 2024 or like even I'm shocked that Hellblade is still not out until 2024. Like that game yeah, was revealed in 2019. Insane. That's a that's a game that is a linear action game. Like presumably it'll be bigger in scope than the, the first one, right? Because that's what sequels do. But I don't understand why that game's taking so long to make. It's, I mean, the original one was weird. six hours or yeah. ish, right? And then I, I I don't imagine this being like a thirty hour game. Like I feel like it's going to be ten hours at most. Um, so that was kind of weird but yeah, yeah um a lot of them being 2024 uh but you know seeing like avowed looked really good i'm excited for that we got to see actually quite a bit of gameplay from that which was nice um it was nice to see speaking of canadian games finding out what compulsion is working on their montreal studio they their last game was we happy few but even then you know, that was in 2018 that game we're now in 2023 five years later and all we got was a cinematic trailer that didn't tell us anything about the game at all like they they published a long interview with the creative director on the Xbox Wire post where they're explaining a bunch of things that were not even remotely clear in the reveal trailer. So that was a little weird. Wait, which um, which game was that? South of Midnight. Oh, yeah, it was the one. Cool. Yeah, that game. Yeah, was really so cool. that game's kind of cool because yeah, it's a, you know it's a, a black woman as a protagonist and it's like Holy. inspired by like the Bayou, like South yeah, of America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Easily so cool. the best vibes of any trailer at any of the showcases for me. Yeah, but I, like I have no idea what it is. <laughs> That's what Compulsion does really well. I mean, We Happy Few had its issues, but yeah. the, the best thing about that game was it's like world. Like it was a yeah, fascinating world and a, cool. and it, so I I Take have your no happy doubt pill. this game that this game will kind of hit on that but in the first 10 minutes we got a second canadian game 33 immortals from uh montreal's um thunder lotus which is really cool they made spirit fair which was a wonderful game that came out in 2020 um that's like a narrative adventure game uh this is more kind of like hades like an action roguelike with like you know set in hell uh, except this is, you literally play with 33 people, which is really cool, like a 33-player co-op. And the 33 was inspired by the like Dante's poems. Uh, but it's cool because that game, when they did the extended Xbox showcase, which I really like that format that they do, where they have like a post-show to kind of take a deeper dive into some of the games they revealed. And during that show, Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, was playing with the developers, uh, some of them in Montreal uh, and some of them in person, all 33 of them. And he even said... Every year, there's one game that pops for him. This was the game that popped for him. So that was really cool really? to see the head of Xbox, you know, give a shout out mm. to this Canadian game. So that game looks really cool. Uh, I'm really interested in that. It, it looks crazy. <laughs> it looks like there's a lot going on. The 33, yeah. it's fun. Well, and it definitely harkens back to like their games before Spirit Pharaoh as well, because I think they made like Yotun and I can't remember what their other oh, game did was. They make but. Yotun? Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And so this looks much more in that style. So definitely mm-hmm. their wheelhouse. This will be very, very cool. Yeah, cool. Looks great. Um, and yeah, you know, obviously Starfield was the big thing that they ended with. I I think the game looks good. Yeah, I just I think this it went way too long. <laughs> that showcase um, I, for Starfield. I, I, I know everyone knows what Game Pass is, uh, but man, I just love seeing like day, day one, one of Game, game Pass. Pass. 
at all these like really cool, exciting games that like you won't have to buy these games because they'll be this there on Game Pass day one. Insane. Sony needs to catch up. Um, so this yeah. this is interesting because to be to completely honest, we fall on the opposite side for this entire conference where I think it was a lot of hype and not a lot of gameplay. Uh, when I think about the biggest titles aside from Starfield and Avowed, Fable gameplay, where I, I still don't Fable know what it looks like. Fable had a few seconds of gameplay. <laughs> Sorry, phrase that again? <laughs> a few she, seconds she of gameplay. She threw a fireball. I think that was gameplay. <laughs> right, but that's my point. So we've, we've been hearing about Fable for years now. It's the opening of the show, and we saw <laughs> a few seconds of gameplay. And again, yeah. I, I think this was their best conference in a long time. It didn't run too, too long, aside from maybe Starfield. Uh, and even then, like, it was clear that they wanted to separate that out. So, like, if you weren't in the theater, it was almost like there was, like, a break in between those two because they showed a trailer. We weren't allowed to leave. That. <laughs> You're trapped. Yeah, which I think is partly why it was dragging on me because I'm like, sure. I really would like to just go pee and I can't. Right? Uh, oh, I didn't know that. That's even worse. They literally lock the door and they're like, get ready for a start. No. But, yeah, no, it's it was interesting because I think, for me, a lot of the games that I was really looking for information on and the ones that I was so excited about didn't get gameplay. I'll, I'll just say, to their credit, to a... Two of their biggest announcements, which were really cool, did leak. And that's not their fault, obviously. That totally. I'm talking about Persona 3 Remaster and yeah. Persona 5 Tactics. Those both look really cool, really good. Persona 3 is a, is a gem that not a lot of people... That kind of gets Love overshadowed Persona by 3. Yeah. Persona 4 and 5. I kind of liken that in a lot of ways to Final Fantasy 6 and Final Fantasy 7, where mm-hmm. they're both... like Persona 3 and 4, I think, are very similar in quality. Some people even For prefer sure. 3, but 4 gets all the attention, just like 7 does, when 6 and 3... Uh, FF6 and Persona 3 are both like darker and you know for some people better and yeah I'm I'm so I'm really happy that Persona 3 is coming back and that's unfortunate because Atlas themselves leaked that you know on their own not... Instagram wild yeah, I was we were in the Uber home from the the Summer Game Fest showcase and I opened Instagram and it just says Atlas West Persona 3 Reloaded I'm like what <laughs> and then it was so that's unfortunate but you know, to your credit about gameplay, you know, they showed gameplay from those two games. And mm-hmm. the, one of the big things for me was the new game from the Persona team. Thank uh, you. That's That, that was, was my cool. highlight. By far. That it has looks su- It has such so a cool. stupid name. Such a stupid name. I don't remember Metaphor Re-Fantasio. Oh, that one. Yeah. Okay. yeah <laughs> yes. Yeah, but yeah. it looked cool. And I'm, you that know, I was cool. really, yeah. I was really digging the vibe too. Because it has like the stylistic like UI of Persona. Yeah. But it was kind of almost like Attack on Titan-ish, like in sort of the, the vibe. Very the like epic fantasy. Yeah, yeah. which is cool yeah. because I'm someone who's really tired of anime high schoolers. Um, <laughs> we get that all the time, and that's what Persona has been. So I I thought it looked great. I got to pause for a moment that Brad made a Attack on Titan reference. Uh, <laughs> surprised you knew what that anime was for all your anime hatred <laughs> oh come on that's that's a really popular mainstream one i know i know I know, I know i'm kidding i'm kidding it, it's even in per- fortnite so oh yeah it is in fortnite now fortnite yeah they have the game. they have the like rope swinging thing from there it's really cool yeah crazy uh i thought it was good uh even overwatch 2 despite me hating that game now uh, the, it's invasion trailer but $15 uh, for three missions dean 
fifteen dollars for three I missions. That's why I hate this game. <laughs> <laughs> I won't play it anymore. It's they they've they, they've ruined my fandom for it. Yeah, um, that game Kunitsu Gami. Yeah, uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, uh, that's just probably me because I'm a weeb. Um, Clockwork Revolution looked really cool as well. I thought. And coming from In Exile is a really yes. interesting mix because they've done so many great games but they traditionally stuck to crpgs and for this to be like a first person perspective full 3d game it's it's cool and i really liked the vibes yeah Yeah, i think everything i think most of what they showed was really cool it was just the fact that a lot of it still isn't coming within the next year no release dates Um, like some of them didn't have release windows even so i think in a vacuum I really liked what we saw, but yeah, to your point, you know, not having full gameplay or full details on some of them is a little frustrating, especially when it has been several years in some cases. Like, I feel like after five years, if we should see something more substantial from uh, Compulsion, like it, we shouldn't have to go to an Xbox Wire post just to find out what kind of game it even is. It's like an action adventure game with magic, apparently, but I didn't really you see tell someone. That at all, yeah, you couldn't sure. tell at all. Um, yeah. So I think people really wanted the Xbox showcase to be great, especially because they've stumbled a lot over the past few years and with the recent Redfall thing and all of that. It was really nice to see them come out mm-hmm. with a really strong right. lineup. But I do think people maybe swung a little hard in the other direction without... We have no idea what the quality of many of these will be. Uh, you know, Xbox just hasn't shown that they give the support necessary to their studios. So I just... I'm a little skeptical until we see gameplay from a lot of these. Like, I have full faith. Avowed is going to be incredible. All of the third-party games, it's just... Yeah, exactly. Obsidian doesn't miss, right? Then again, we said the same thing about Redfall, where it's like, well, okay, let's have a little faith. It may not be showing well, but they don't miss. So it's just... I have a lot more faith in Obsidian just knowing that their track record recently has been really, really strong. Well, and I think... It's amazing. I think uh, Avowed does fit more in Obsidian's wheelhouse too than totally. Redfall yeah. did. Like, if when Our reading the behind a... the scenes report on, from Bloomberg about Redfall, like the whole part of the problem with that game is they were trying to make something that that studio is not experienced in, and so yeah. most of the talent involved in their previous games left, and then they were basically hiring single play single developers who are experienced with single player games trying to make a multiplayer game so that was yeah. the whole thing but yeah and i think you know i hear you we haven't seen them prove yet that they can show the support for all these studios i think start redfall especially was a wake-up call for them in a lot of ways and you know I think so they, to their credit they've been very open because that's one thing xbox does very well they're very transparent um like even in the I got to attend a, a leadership panel with Phil Spencer and Todd Howard and some of the other leaders that was, but you know, only for the media. And I got to interview Sarah Bond, who is one of their executives. Um, her title, vice president for game creator experience and ecosystem. So her job specifically is very much working with studios, you know, internally and externally to give them the support that they need. So, you know, I even asked her, you know, after the mixed reception to Redfall, you know, how are you supporting Bethesda for Starfield because all eyes are on that game now. So, you know, she's talking about all the, how closely they've worked with them and all the support that they're giving them and the, the tools and everything like that. So I think, yeah, I, I understand your apprehension. I, I do think Redfall was a wake up call for them because yeah, they, you know, they had the, their issue was they wanted to kind of let Bethesda be autonomous and that's great. You know, you don't want to be too involved, but at the same time, it is a first party game uh, regardless of how 
separate you want to pretend Bethesda is, and you have ownership for that quality of that game. So I think they've learned their lesson. And the good thing is with a lot of those games that we were talking about that are like 2024, they have enough time to get more involved and help them. Like, I mean, I think Redfall was just too, at that point, there was no saving it really. Yeah. You know, for sure. But Starfield is several months out. You know, they presumably they've been working with them for a lot longer than that. And then the games that are in 2024, they've probably given them a lot more support. So, Well, and what I would say with that is uh, I was actually a big fan of the Starfield presentation because I, I was ready to see that deep dive. Like, uh, you know, my, my dad, his favorite game of all time is Skyrim. He has like thousands of hours in that game. He had 800 save slots. I, I looked at his game. I'm like, how what? is this even running on Xbox 360 yeah. at this point? Um, <laughs> You know, I was very excited for him. And so I was like watching this and it was going into all of the systems, which I think mm-hmm. was really, really cool for the people who wanted that deeper dive. That's exactly what we've wanted from studios in the past to give us like all the information. And it was cool seeing them go into the different play styles, the ship customization, the way that you're going to be interacting with the factions and all of these different things. But what was also really nice was seeing the evolution from the last time that we saw a gameplay demo. The shooting was significantly better. And they have talked about how they've been working with like id, for example, to really hone those systems. So we're seeing it in real time, the way that Microsoft is supporting that game. And even from the tech perspective, I think the lighting was a lot better in this latest one than it was in the past. And of course, we did get the news that on Xbox Series X, it's going to be running at 30 frames per second. But I also think that's actually a very reasonable trade-off given how the vistas look and everything that's going on it's easy to compare this to something like a horizon and be like well horizon's gorgeous and it it's different because this game is running with an entire physics engine did you see those sandwiches guys did you see those sandwiches i have not i have to go watch this and now you're making kind of watch it after hearing people like i heard pat and brad talk about it i was like i'm happy i missed this but now, like, so yeah, to, to be clear, it. I agree with everything you're saying. I think it definitely needed a, a deeper dive. When I'm talking purely from a presentation, per, purely yeah. uh, subjective perspective, where you know, obviously <laughs> me being there was a little different. Where yeah, I just I was a little frustrated. I just couldn't leave. And see, I uh, got up and went and made a sandwich. It's different. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. Well, and for me personally, I've just never vibed with Bethesda's games as much in that way. Like for me, mm-hmm. like. The Witcher 3 did everything better than any Bethesda game I've played personally. And like even we're talking like space epic, space opera, sci-fi sort of thing. Like Mass Effect is more my kind of approach to it. For sure. Bethesda games have historically never been, Bethesda software game, I I mean, like I've never historically been that story driven thing that I love personally versus, you know, what Bioware has done in that space or even with KOTOR as well. So it's more of a personal thing. Like obviously the game looks super impressive and it definitely Mm. needed that deeper dive just for me personally it's not generally the kind of game that i vibe with as much i like i'll play it i'm, I'm looking forward to it um especially because it's on game pass like but yeah it's yeah just, and like i'll play it too. it's on game pass first day yeah. <laughs> um, i'll play it if i finish with Baldur's gate 3 in time because that comes out like eight <clears throat> days before or something <laughs> oh geez i thought it was the summer it, it, it's end of august i think it's august 31st uh, okay, okay. i believe yeah and then starfield is what september it's 8th september- in my yeah, head, yeah. So it's like a November week and a bit before. Yeah, yeah. From last year, but yeah, yeah change <laughs> it to September. Uh, let's move on to uh, Ubisoft. Uh, big stuff there. Oh, actually, wait, Brad, did you play any of the games from the Xbox Showcase at all? Uh, no. I mean, uh, the most of that was hands off, like briefings. Yeah. Um, cool. so afterwards, like I, I was in a briefing for Forza, uh, and I was in a briefing for another indie game. 
that was their Dungeons of Hinterburg. Um, oh, that one looked cool. Cute. It was cute. Yeah, yeah it was like an, uh, an Austrian team, so it was like very inspired by like their sort of folklore and everything, which was kind of cool. And the art style was kind of like Hi-Fi Rush, like very stylized sort of. So that yeah, game looked cool, exactly. like a, as a nice little like indie game. Um, and Forza, I'm not a racing game guy at all, so that did nothing for me personally. But I mean, there are, those are obviously always technical showcases, so like it looked gorgeous. Obviously, Forza's done a lot of cool things with accessibility and not only for disabled players, but also bringing in new players. Like there's a lot of features to kind of make it very approachable for newcomers. So that looks great. You know, that's coming this year. I mean, that and Starfield are their two big games for the rest of the year. So obviously did there's you... an audience for those games, but I don't care for them personally. So question, did, do they let you drive the cars? Uh, no, it was hands off. No, nope. You didn't get to hop in a Porsche. <laughs> uh, no, the Ubisoft <laughs> event had a had one of the cars from the crew, though. Did you play Prince of Persia? I did. We'll yeah. get to that, I uh, guess. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's more Ubisoft, even though they showed yeah. it. In the, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. My bad. Okay, we'll get to that. I was, I'm excited for that one. <laughs> yeah, right, so, so that's the thing. A lot of these briefings, and, and we'll get into this with Ubisoft, too, a lot of them were hands-off, like, so some some were like hands on, and some were just like, oh, the developer is playing the game, and you're just watching. So it's, uh, but yeah, with um, I guess we can get into Ubisoft then. Yeah, let's go straight for it. They started the their showcase off with Prince of Persia, uh, something something something. I don't know what the rest of it's called. I the Lost know. Crown. Thank you, the Lost Crown. I always want to say Sands of Time. Well, to to Chris's <laughs> point, they revealed the Lost Crown what he was talking about earlier at summer game fest at the oh, very beginning game of that fest. show. Okay, right, and right, then right. they gave a deeper dive into it in um, the Ubisoft. I can't show. remember so, if it was Xbox or not. Oh no. Yeah. Xbox showed off Star Wars. Yeah. And then yes. Okay. Kick us off, Brad. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Ubisoft, I thought Ubisoft show was pretty good. You know, you, they're kind of hit or miss. There's sometimes where they, they don't show a lot. And like for years, like we didn't even know what kind of game avatar was like, they just, uh so you know and that's coming later this year which is pretty cool they showed a lot of gameplay from that i so the the weird thing with ubisoft was a lot of the way their event was structured was a lot of the behind closed door stuff the briefings were not only not hands-on but it was basically just showing us the same trailers that they showed during the ubisoft forward so really a lot of those preview previews were just the creative director kind of like reading slideshows and giving a little bit more context for like the sort of direction the game is taking so there were like some interesting details here and there but nothing like groundbreaking so like me i went into like a briefing for avatar and i came out of it like okay i don't really know that much more than i did just by <laughs> watching the forward so that was a little kind of a weird thing and they didn't even do like q a's because you'd think if you have like the developers that you would you know do a q a with them but uh overall yeah i thought their show was was good i mean there was the usual sort of hilarious e3 style stuff where they have just dance people come out and you know they're dancing and it's hilarious uh and then they had a a whole like shanty for sea of thieves yeah <laughs> so, yeah that was funny. like they brought out <laughs> these like burly guys to sing shanties for sea of thieves it's so yeah, funny it was great. um and that was to reveal the open beta or whatever <laughs> like, yeah that was funny but um Oh, I have to give a shout out, just going back to Xbox real quick while we're talking about boats. The uh, Monkey Island crossover with Sea of Thieves was super cool. And Patrick O'Rourke lost his mind from that because he loves boats. He loves Monkey Island. 
that's like the perfect crossover for him. Hold uh, on. Did you just say he loved boats? Yeah, he loves boats. Yes. That's like a he's well-known fact about Brian. He's a boat guy. He's one of like maybe six people who's like super interested in Sea of Thieves. Yeah, he, lo- he loves boats. This is new information for me, and I will leverage this in the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you had social media, you'd see his yeah. Instagram stories are always him he's, on a boat. He's always oh, on a wow. Boat. Okay, good yeah. to know. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. got to create an Instagram and, and cre- follow all of us. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I thought Ubisoft's event, yeah, to their credit, they did give us extensive gameplay looks from, you know, Prince of Persia, Star Wars, Avatar. So that was really nice to see. And that event wasn't too long either. Like, I think it was just under an hour and a half, which was pretty good. Um, so no, like no surprises there really, but they were due to give us an update because they even admitted that last year was a very soft year for them. Like they had uh, Mario Rabbids 2, which was really good. But other than that, they didn't really have anything else last year. So this was kind of a nice update Assassin's on them. And, Creed you know, as well. Yeah. Th- so, yeah, th- I was going to say that's I saw that we got an extensive behind closed doors demo for. I didn't get to play it, but they did a whole demo. It was like an extended version of what we saw in the showcase, basically. And where they show the whole assassination, the whole side mission, everything. And to be honest, that's one of my biggest surprises of everything, because I was someone I loved Odyssey um Assassin's Creed Odyssey but my big takeaway from that was it was too bloated and then they doubled down on that and made Valhalla like a hundred hours long and I'm like I don't want to play this like I straight up I'm I'm like I'm not playing this uh it's too big it's it it actually inspired me to write a piece about how games are too long and we need shorter games um so seeing them kind of ditch all of that and go back to basics it's very much inspired by the first Assassin's Creed in terms of the setting the vibe the atmosphere, the story, all of that. Like, I'm excited for that. Like, you know, especially when they're they're making more Assassin's Creed games than they've ever made before. They have, like, so much of their team working on that. That's going to get so oversaturated so quickly that they're doing all the live service stuff. So for now, just getting, like, a very scaled back, like, oh, this is focused on stealth. Uh, and it's like a... they In terms of size, they liken the world to Constantinople from Revelations and Paris from Unity. So it's... It's still open world, but it's not like the Witcher three sized open world like Valhalla was. So, um, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm ex- actually really excited for that sort of back to basics approach from that series. Uh, and yeah, Star Wars Outlaws was the other big one. I think that game looks really cool. I'm a, at first I was like, I'm so tired of Empire stuff. Everything's set in the Empire. You know, this is set between Episode five and six, and their justification for that was, oh, that's when the rebels are kind of at their lowest. So that's when the rise in like the underworld crime comes up. And I'm like, but you could have literally just done underworld crime and any other time period. Like you didn't need the explanation for the empire for that. So that's kind of a cop out. I'm, Disney probably wanted that. So I can't really fault Ubisoft for that. But, you know, we did talk about Jedi Survivor recently. Respawn, you know, to their credit, has done a lot of cool stories in that time period. So I'm hopeful that we'll get something interesting out of it. It is cool that it's not another Jedi game. It is like, on a, a you're a scoundrel you're like a han solo type which is kind of cool so it's focused more on like blasters and the different like modular sort of versions of that that you can create and it's got a, a lot of cool canadian touches to it um it's made in sweden by ubisoft massive who does the division and they're also making the avatar game uh but the story is actually being all done in canada which is really cool ubisoft toronto um the lead writer the the narrative director they're all based in toronto they worked on far cry 6 uh and then the lead actress umberly gonzalez is also a canadian she's been in a bunch i think Ginny and georgia was the most recent thing she was in on netflix 
and she's I've seen her in like a Mercedes commercial, I think, and stuff like that. So that's really cool just to see the face of a big new Star Wars game and then the people behind the you know behind it as well all be Canadian. So that's really cool. Dean, I want to get your thoughts on the game because you're a big Star Wars guy, especially with recent Survivor and stuff. What did you think of Outlaws? Mm, you're incorrect. I'm not a big Star Wars guy. I'm a big oh. Jedi guy. Okay, there we go. I, there I like we go. Jedi because I like magic. Um, <laughs> I like space magic. Uh, it looks really cool, though. I still, I, I'm still interested in it. I'll still probably uh, give it a shot. Um, I, I'm not typically a, a person who likes space weirdly enough um in terms of like having to navigate your own ship i, I don't think i like navigating like vehicles at all in games um but look like going to space and shooting things kind of seemed cool it seemed very like star wars like really like you don't get to do that in survivor at all um so uh that looks fun um i like the little thing she has come around like with her the whole time that little like little creature, animal nix yeah. yeah nix yeah, yeah uh very cool but yeah i uh, uh like it won't be a game that i plan to i, I assume it's going to be on game pass but it won't be a game that i would buy if i was it on game pass i don't think or I'd wait well for no it, it would be presumably it would be on ubisoft plus oh i yeah, don't so know I if won't. they confirmed that it would I, I know a lot of their games come on to that at the, launch i don't know because this is a disney game maybe that would be the exception mm. uh but yeah it wouldn't be on game pass yeah i'm more excited for like i'd be more excited for prince of persia or, or assassin's creed and i'm not an yeah. assassin's creed guy but that one looks really i think that I, one really appealed to me i will say you know there's still some questions that remain for me with star wars because it is actually the first open world star wars game we've ever gotten like true open worlds. Uh, oh, is it true? And obviously, I missed that. yeah. And Ubisoft is obviously someone who's made a lot of open worlds. Mm-hmm. You know that formula, that style of open world, that game that they make has kind of become dated in recent years, especially amid Tears of the Kingdom and Elden Ring and the games like that. So, I'm curious to see how that works. I mean, they did tease uh, like a GTA style wanted system, which is kind of interesting. Like the mm-hmm. idea that you know the stuff that you do will kind of get the empire more on your tail. So that that's cool. kind of interesting that yeah. to see how that could play out. And just, you know, the idea that you can go straight from the planet to space is something that Star Wars has kind of teased. With, and that was the direction Battlefront was going in before EA took over and ruined that series. Um, but, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of potential for this game. It, it, it'll it be interesting to see what they do with it. But to your point, yeah, um, sorry, what were you going to say, Chris? Oh, I was just going to say I fall on the side of being very excited about this one because... Unlike Avatar, which very clearly was Far Cry Uh, on Pandora, like it was bases, it was all of that stuff, you know, much better graphics, new gameplay with, you know, being able to fly and stuff. But it was very clearly inspired by the open world design of Far Cry. Whereas I didn't get that sense with this one. This almost, if you didn't tell me it was Ubisoft, I don't think I would have known it was Ubisoft looking Mm -hmm. at it. You know, the, the gameplay systems of traversing between the different planets and having that space combat and then hopping on a vehicle and going from town to town and the really cinematic approach to the the dialogue and so i don't know like it, it struck me as this is ubisoft trying to do something completely new within the open yeah. world space and maybe taking their learnings and being like okay if this isn't going to be a live service one we're not going to do 
a ton of ongoing mechanics and stuff, maybe we do just make this as cinematic as possible, which I really appreciate. I thought I thought it looked yeah. really, really cool. No, I agree. And I think there's something to that that you're saying. I think the fact that they have massive making it means we're getting a different approach from a, for an open world because it's not Ubisoft Montreal making it again, right? Because they did all the Far Cries and Assassin's Creed pretty much. So that's kind of the only style that they know. But, you know, kind of getting a different team working on that, what would their version of an open world look like? So, yeah, um, I'm really interested to see what how that pans out. Yeah, I want to see more before I get any hopes up, but it does look really cool. Um, was there, you in going back to, because I just want to talk about it, Prince of Persia, did you, you played it? Yeah, so that was the only, that and the crew were the only two games I got to play at Ubisoft. And like I said, I'm not a racing game guy. And generally, the crew is not regarded as one of the better racing games anyways, at least compared to, you know, like Forza. So um, I have nothing to say about the crew, unfortunately. You know, it looked cool, good for racing fans. But um, uh, Person Persia, yeah, that was, again, one of my big surprises of the show. I was, uh, I I really enjoyed that. Uh, the demo that I played was just a little bit after the tutorial, but otherwise it okay. was pretty much the exact opening of the beginning up until the first boss. So it was like 30 to 40 minutes. It was really good. Like I, I really liked the sort of Metroidvania style approach to it where you're kind of going back and forth. Um, the combat like at first seems pretty simple where it's just mashing, but then you get like different powers um, to kind of flesh that out um like super moves and then there's even like a as you as you're attacking or like charging up a meter and when that's filled to one bar that that'll do like a super move and then if it's charged to two it'll do like a healing move where you like put a healing aura down on the ground and you have to stay in that aura to heal so there's kind of like a little bit of a risk reward system there and this is obviously the very beginning so i assume you only unlock more powers but the whole idea of oh do i heal do i fight and then there's like a lot of directional attacks like attacking up down left right dodging and uh, parrying there's like a parrying system as well um, that like really fills your meter a, a lot so yeah i'm like and this kind of speaks to what i was saying about assassin's creed mirage as well where i'm really liking that we're seeing these big companies like ubisoft in this case taking a chance on something a little smaller like not everything needs to be huge like obviously we're getting this prince of persia remake supposedly uh sands of time that's been years in development and it's just rebooted development at ubisoft montreal so who knows how that'll turn out but that'll obviously be a bigger game but i like that we can get like a 2d um metroidvania style game like this that presumably will probably be what 12 to 15 hours at most i love that that's exciting to me and then even just the setting is really cool yes so they have elements of the old you know prince of persia (laughs) games but there's a it's a different style the visual style is really smart in that it's stylized and it looks cool but it's not like super graphically intensive so it can run on the switch and it can run at 60 frames on the switch which is super cool and even just the the setting and the character like the lead character is like a black dude right which is super cool and kind of a nice change of pace from like the the prince like the regular prince or whatever so um, and it has a release date which is January, yes. Yeah, not something that we got a lot this week. Yeah, like, I love that sort of thing where we find out a game that we never knew existed, it gets revealed, and then it's out within a year. Like, that's super cool. Like, it's just, oh, we don't have to wait too long for it. Presumably, they'll probably drop a demo for it at some point, I would hope, um, for more people to try. But yeah, I was really impressed by it. I'm like, this is a lot of fun. And again, it's not a game that needed to have a $200 million budget and spend five years to make. You know, it was clearly something that just 
probably a smaller team. I forget which Ubisoft studio was making. I think it was Montpellier, I think was the studio, but presumably it was not like a ginormous 500 people team sort of thing, right? Like it was just a smaller like passion project. I love that. I I think we need, it would be great to get more of those basically. Nice. Cool. Uh, we are at an hour, and but there is so much more I feel like we can talk about, but we probably shouldn't. Because <laughs> uh, I just uh, really want to quickly ask Brad. You know, yeah. so many of us grew up watching E3, and it was our dream to go to the show and experience what it was like to be in the room for these conferences with all of the other press, to be around all of these, you know, big names in the gaming industry, like. You know, Todd Howard is a name that I knew as much as like George Clooney growing up. I'm like, this is the man who was behind some of the greatest games of all time. You know, it's it's one of those things like, how was it for you being a big fan of the industry now being press and being in the room? It was incredible. Like it, it really was, um, you know, like I was fortunate to years ago, like win a contest. I got to go to the premiere for Avengers Infinity War, which is obviously like, super star-studded and everywhere you look there's a celebrity it felt like that but for video games like everywhere you looked there's phil spencer there's todd howard there's the whole um for context it's what they used to do for e3 they do it after the game awards and now they do it for summer game fest because everything's kind of in the la core everyone basically goes back to the jw marriott afterwards the, the big hotel there and they have like a very big lobby a kind of like fancy lobby and a bar and everything so it's kind of a nice like low-key vibe but like i'm not someone who really likes loud bars or or clubs sort of thing but this is kind of like a lower key everyone's just kind of hanging out and chilling and there's some drinks but it's like not like super crazy or anything but so yeah a lot of people go there in the evenings so you know you go there and that's where i ran into todd howard just hanging by the bar or that's where you know right across from todd howard was the development team for final fantasy 16 and like it's so cool to just see these people there and get to talk to them and you know because a lot of them are human too right like you, you know you, you go up to like I, I met the localization director for 14 and 16 and he helped with the lore and everything super nice guy he's always the one that you see with yoshida at co conventions and doing interviews and you know i went up to him and i'm just like you know i you know i'm a huge final fantasy fan what you guys did with 14 you know meant meant a lot and i loved it and you know we were just shooting the shit and even and beside him was the lead actor from Final Fantasy 16 who plays Clive. So I chatted with him for a bit. Oh, cool. He's a super he's a super big Final Fantasy fan as well. So like we were chatting about our favorite games in the series and like eight is his favorite, which is a little controversial. So we were talking about that, which is super cool. Like just to have these people just hanging around and how that them, perfectly right? fits for what I played in the demo of 16. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Final Fantasy 8, yeah. But yeah, I think it's super cool. And, you know, to their credit, uh, and obviously this means more for media than like uh, the public, but what Jeff and, and his team and Ian 8-Bit did with like Play Days, specifically the Summer Game Fest Play Days, really does feel like the ideal version of what an E3 should be. Uh, like there's pub there should be public events like PAX or whatever. And I think that's what E3 is probably going to turn into, something like that for the California area because the PAXs are generally in other states. But in terms of what E3 used to be as like an industry event for like meet meetings and, and behind closed door stuff, the play days format does make the most sense where it's like, and I think that's why Jeff got so many companies involved with it because it's so much, you know, you can just rent a small venue space. There's no public people to interfere. You can just have small demos set up that can be reused for press. 
it's a lot less costly than, you know, booking an entire event booth and creating all these crazy props and everything. And you can just have media there and you can have the intimacy of the one-on-ones. People were interviewing Sam Lake. People were interviewing the uh, Harada from Tekken was there. All these people are there, right? And just having that sort of intimacy with them that you don't really get in a giant Los Angeles convention center where you have to run between appointments and fight the public. And so I think it's kind of great to have something like this for media. And then E3, presumably, if it does come back, can be turned into more of a PAX public event for the fans. I think that makes a lot more sense. So, but yeah, just the whole experience of being there was like a dream come true, you know, seeing all these people getting to talk with Victor Lucas and be like, yo, you're the inspiration, man. You're the original Canadian games journalist. Right. And seeing him there and I helped him set up his camera. I'm like, yo, I helped Victor Lucas do something. I'm like, what is this? You know, like this super cool. Cool. Uh, did you see any of the From Software guys there? I saw that uh, Armor Cord. Oh, yeah. Around. I didn't know that was actually going to be there, funny enough. Uh, so I eventually, I didn't see anybody from From Software there, but I know some people who did the demo for that. So Yeah, I just saw that there those demos on YouTube. I'm like, oh, I got to watch this, even though it's not typically what I would play. Um, but yeah. All right. I, Last I, question. I, Dean, What was your? what is the game from the week that you are most excited about? If you had to choose one game that you could play tomorrow, pretend they all came out tomorrow, what would you play? I can't choose Spider-Man. It was technically there. It was technically. <laughs> you can take Spider-Man. I will take that. I will take that. Okay. Spider-Man 2. Brad? Yeah. yeah um, either FF7 Rebirth or, or Thirsty Suitors, probably. Those are oh. really enjoyed those. Yeah. Really, really cool. I would take Metaphor, R-E Fantasio, or however you say that. That would be really, really cool. But uh, thank you so much for inviting me next year, Brad. That's so nice of you. I can't <laughs> wait to go to LA. That's fantastic. I mean, hey, I would love that. We there were. I made a point of meeting as many Canadians as I could because there's not a lot of us uh, at these sorts of things. Uh, I was basically just hanging out with the folks from CGM, Comics Gaming Magazine, who are super great. I had a lot of fun with them. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, it's like the only other Canadians, like, yeah, Victor Lucas was there. And then obviously Jeff Keighley himself. But I mean, at this point, I think he's an L.A. boy, really. He's been taken, yeah, he's, claimed he's by now. them. Yeah, so yeah. he's, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, we always end this off uh, with what we're playing. So uh, quickly, just quick, I'm playing, I'm still playing Star Wars because I've been too busy to play any games. Literally yesterday was the first time I've gamed in since the beginning of may which is so sad for me uh, but star wars i started the demo for liza p because i just wanted to play it because it was there and then also started i kind of started the demo for final fantasy 16 just because it looks so cool and i've been watching so much gameplay for it um and i'm like really excited even though i'm like i don't play a lot of final fantasy games but i played 15 and loved it um uh, so i'm excited to play 16 as well Oh, you're ready for a good one then. (laughs) This is going to be a good one. So, Uh, Brad or Chris, what are you guys playing? Oh, yeah. I haven't really been playing anything because I was literally back from LA like a day ago. So, uh, but before that, I was finally finishing Endwalker. um, And that everything that people said about 14 is true. It's, it's amazing. It's incredible. The story, I, and it's gonna it's gonna like stick with me, especially because I literally finished that game. You know, obviously it's Endwalker, so there's a lot of themes about finality and death and closure, or whatever. And I literally beat it as we were putting my dog down. So that 
um, that sort of story uh, is, is really going to resonate with me for a long time, especially because of that. And I was really hoping I would get to meet Sokin, the composer, because some of his music in that game, I'm going to now think of my dog when I hear it. And his music is incredible. Um, but I didn't get to run into him, unfortunately. But he, yeah, he's doing the music for 16 as well. And it's like 200 plus songs for that game. I can't wait. Like, I, going in, if there, if 16 was not coming out this year, I would have hands down said Tears of the Kingdom would be my game of the year easily. But I, and I still think Tears of the Kingdom will win game of the year overall just because, you know, it's Zelda and, and that would be deserved. But it's I don't see any world where, where 16 is not like my favorite game of the year. It just, oh my God. I got to go to, very quickly, I got to go to the pre-launch event, which is super cool. That kind of re- reminded me of like E3 in the sense that, they went Square Enix went all out. Like they booked an entire giant venue. They had a giant Ifrit statue and Garuda statue that you could take photos with. They had like giant developer panels. Uh, like uh, the head, the CEO of Square Enix came out to introduce it. Jim Ryan even showed up in a pre-recorded message, which is hilarious because I didn't think he even knew what Final Fantasy was. Um, so yeah, it was, that was a super cool event. It just, and then all these photo ops and the cast was there. I got to interview three of the cast members from Final Fantasy 16. So by the time this interview, um, this podcast goes up, that'll be live on the site as well. And so, yeah, as someone who adores Final Fantasy, it's his favorite franchise. I was freaking the hell out at this event. This was so cool. So I can't wait for 16. Chris, what are you playing? I played the Final Fantasy 16 demo. Absolutely loved it. One of the best demos I've ever played. There are some yes. shocking twists in there. So and your save file saves over. I know. Yes. How nice so cool. is that as a feature? Yeah. Yeah, I played it cool. twice because I wanted to make sure that I got everything. Uh, <laughs> okay, but also the iconic challenge mode in the demos. So there's the main campaign beginning that you can play. My one warning with that is if you want to experience a full combat, go play the ch- iconic challenge mode. Combat's really deep uh but there is there are some spoilers in there so if you want to avoid all story spoilers further into the story i would skip that for now and just play the main bit uh i've also just been still playing tears of the kingdom i'm now 150 hours in uh just i still have only done two regions it's it's crazy yeah (laughs) i haven't haven't touched any gerudo i haven't touched any like yeah i haven't gone to elden it's just it's crazy how little of that game i have scratched the surface of and then finally uh i am also playing through diablo 4 still i'm really trying Mm. to get patrick playing with me i want i want him to jump online he said that he would so we'll, we'll try thank to get you that for back. reviewing that for me i was oh, yeah, thank into you. it yeah Ooh, I, yeah review. no <laughs> i i was uh i was having a good time my problem is I, I like usual i like to try everything in a game and so i refuse to level up one character and instead i have three characters all at like level 30 40 and 50 so yeah i need that's I a game that guys. i'm i'm sure i'd like but it's just the timing of it just, yeah for sure i, I for can't sure. touch it I just, it's a crazy it's, year to dean what you said yeah. it's just like yeah. there are too many there is a crazy year for gaming it's a really oh. good year for gaming um there's so much more i can't wait to do like an end of the year of the best games because we're gonna just be going crazy about it next month we have second draft oh, or fi- a right. fantasy draft we have to get that done because our picks we have so many more games now there's so many 16 more reviews will be out by then so i'm looking forward to claiming like a 92 from that <laughs> I'm losing so far, but you know what? That that can change. But let's end this. It's just gone too long, and that's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Syrup Arcade Cast. Uh, where can people learn more about you, Brad Shankar? And what's what? You have a lot of 
stories coming out? Can you name off some headlines that people should be tuning into or checking out? Sure, yeah. I'm on Twitter, Brad Shankar, B-R-A-D-S-H-A-N-K-A-R. Yeah, I have a bajillion stories from all of the stuff that we just talked about. Um, the, I mentioned a few of them, the interview I did with Xbox, um, the, interview, the Final Fantasy 16 interview I have coming up. I have previews for um, Sonic Superstars, which was one of the surprises of the show. That's actually pretty good. Uh, Foam Stars was an actu- another actually surprisingly decent game that a lot of people were kind of down on. I played that at um, there. I planned to do something on Thirsty Suitors eventually because I really enjoyed that. I'm going to do like a roundup on Canadian games. There was another Canadian game that I played at Summer Game Fest called Ate, which is like a painting game that's a love letter to Montreal. And it's made by a Quebec studio. So that's kind of cool. I have a preview for that as well. So yeah, lots of stuff on the site. And then as I teased before, I have a big feature coming in July that I don't want to reveal publicly yet, but you two know about. So that'll be cool. And people can't find you anywhere, Chris, right? You're incognito. I am actually an AI run by Mobile Syrup. That's why you can find me on the drop on YouTube, TikTok, anywhere basically across the Mobile Syrup stuff. Uh, That drops on Wednesdays now. So make sure to check that out. And I do have the occasional article uh, whenever the team has an extra game code to throw my way. So yeah, you can find me on the site. If you ever want to review a game, let us know. As long as it's not like Final Fantasy for, for me or like Zelda for Pat, like, you know. Or we get that Baldur's on. Gate code. I will spend 200 hours. That's all you. Please. That is all you. <laughs> um, and you can find me at the Daily Dean on Twitter, daily spelled D-A-L-E-Y, and my Daily Dose on Instagram, and of course on Mobile Syrup. And as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mobile Syrup. Thank you. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.